Welcome to We Shadows, the podcast about design and technical theater in the Twin Cities. I'm your announcer, Anita Kelling. In this episode, Liesa Barron sat down with freelance scenic designer Annie Henley for a conversation about the challenges of scenic design, tenacity, and looking out for your own well-being. This conversation took place on December 22, 2020. for coming and meeting with us today. Um, Annie, you are a scenic designer, if I got that correct? Yes. Okay. Can Would you be able to explain kind of what a scenic designer is in layman's terms for someone who maybe doesn't know? Sure. So, well, thank you for having me. It's fun to be here. Never been on a podcast before. Um, a scenic designer is the person who is in charge of when you look at the stage, you see the people and they're wearing costumes and almost everything else that's on stage is the scenic designer's job. Sometimes um, the things like furniture and things people are holding are the props designer, but sometimes they group those two things together as props and scenic design together. So I've done some of both. And so I'm the one who basically visualizes the concept. I'm the concept designer. And then I also am like the drafts person and give the technical drawings of what size and shape everything is down to the quarter inch to the technical director who then builds it. Awesome. Um, How did you start out in theater? Like what made you decide to do this or get to where you are now as a set designer? Um, I actually, I came from the art world, um, which is, which was kind of a fun way to transfer over. So in college, I went to McAllister College and I studied art there, but I also studied dance. And um, so, you know, every semester there would be a dance show and I would usually be sitting in the dark watching a tech. And I just love doing that. I just love being in the dark watching other people. It's just really fun for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I realized my senior year of college that, oh, I want to make art every day. I don't want to just, you know, have a job and then do art on the side. I wanted to work with my hands every single day. So I was like, oh, I could take tech theater. That looks fun. And so And I had been going to all of the theater shows at my college alone. None of my art friends wanted to go. So I was just there. Yeah, I don't know if they were too cool or what. But I just was like super dorky. And I was like going to all of them by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I took tech theater and I loved it. And um, my professor, I ended up taking scenic design the next semester. And I had really good um, leadership from him or he kind of took me under his wing and like taught me a lot of things and saw that I was very interested in it. And after I graduated, I worked as his assistant and as a set painter for him and as an assistant designer at various theaters in town. And um, that was really fun. And then I I also took um, a scene painting class with Lance Brockman, just like a weekend workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was in college and that really, you know, I loved it right away. I love painting. So um, I ended up 
being a scenic painter for a few years. And I was like, hey, I think I could design these shows too. Um, I got good ideas. <laughs> so then I um, uh, went back to grad school at the University of Minnesota and was there for three years and graduated in 2015. Okay, cool. Um, you, you spoke that you had a couple people who mentored you while you were in college. Have have you had anybody like once you now that you've been working in the industry that you kind of look to as a mentor or has it just been kind of you bump into someone here or there? <laughs> well, I I feel like I've learned a lot of things from you meet so many people in theater. So mm-hmm. I've learned things from all the various people. I would say mentor wise, I mean I haven't like met with her a lot, but I feel like she's been one of my role models more like, um, but Kate Sutton Johnson and her career, you know, following what she does. And she, um, you know, has been really generous. And when she was offered a job that she uh, didn't have time to do or couldn't do or didn't want to do, um, she would suggest my name. So I've gotten quite a few jobs that way too, which has been really nice. Yeah. Um, so you are, you're actually, you are from Minnesota originally. Did you ever like make a conscious choice to make the Twin Cities stay as your artistic home? Or has it just been more that you like the jobs here? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I would say I kind of, well, I was born in Minnesota and then I lived in Wisconsin kind of when I was growing up and then I went back, came back here for college. So and it just has a great theater scene. There's just a lot going on. So it was sort of like a given mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I could have a career here. I did work for a, a short amount of time for a season out at the Denver Center as a props intern. So that was, you know, that was fun. But I could tell, like, they didn't have as many theaters as we have here. So I was, you know, excited to come home and work with a lot of different theater companies, small theater companies, big ones. So, mm-hmm. We do have a pretty good variety of work. Yeah, we do. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, with with that variety of people, are you building your network mostly through other jobs, or are you um, kind of um, the kind of spending the time where it's like sending your resume to five billion places? Or um, I feel like the way I've gotten most of my jobs has been through, um, yeah, people to people connections, different networking things. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, cold sent my resume to various places, um, but that doesn't seem to work quite as well. Um, I, yeah, I would say I definitely just like word of mouth and, and different directors I really like working with. So like Barbara Berlovitz has been like a really great director to work with for me and I've designed several of her shows and um so if she, you know, has a job at a certain theater, she like invites me along. So sometimes I like come with the director, which is nice. Um, Makes it a little easier to find work. Yeah. <laughs> if the director has to find it for you. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And once you get going, you know, people know your name and, and then you end up, you know, just getting job. They just, you just get jobs and um, then you have to start turning down jobs, which is a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's always nice to be able to, not that you want to say no to someone, but it's nice to be able to say, I'm too busy because you've got too many things. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Are there some, any types of like uh, theaters or places that you still kind of want to someday work at? Um, 
in the future? Oh, for sure. Or, or think... like a favorite show even? <laughs> um, in the future, I don't really have any shows in mind. I like some of the, you know, musicals and uh, plays that people put on, you know, pretty often. Like I designed a Nutcracker for the St. Paul Ballet and that was super fun. Um, and, you know, it would be fun to do another Nutcracker someday. But uh, I also like new works and um, there's just been some great plays. There was one called Anonymous and I designed it for a high school. So I worked um, pretty closely with Katie Kreitzer at Creighton Durham Hall for several years. And um, that was a really good collaboration. And there was a show called Anonymous. I can't remember the author's or the playwright's name. But, you know, that felt really creative and fun. So I do like new works as well. And sometimes the old works are a little bit stuffy. So yeah. you're kind of like, wow, this is really dated. Yeah, I think a dream, it would be a dream to work at um, the Children's Theater as a designer. I've worked there as a painter and a props person. Um, but that would be a dream job. I interviewed there. Um, I think they sort of were realizing they didn't have very many women designers <laughs> coming in. And so they probably interviewed a handful and that went fine. I was happy to do that. I talked with Peter Brogius and, um, but it was surprising what he, you know, wanted to talk about. He mostly wanted to talk about the other men I've worked with, <laughs> like, Oh, Michael Summers, like, you know, yeah. all these other, or like, Oh, D Dominique Saran. And like these, it's like, that's not the only reason I've learned anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got skills without what you learned from. Yeah. Them. So you it just is so clearly that. like, it really felt like uh, who, you know, and not like what your work is when I was interviewing there. And, you know, I never got a call back, but you know, eventually he'll retire and I'll probably get to work there someday. <laughs> Hopefully we both do someday. I yeah. To work there. Um, have, uh, I'm also a set designer. I, <laughs> Some people in this podcast will have already known that. Um, when you work as a set designer, do you tend to um, get to send your work off to another shop or do you build your own scenery and paint your own scenery? It's a good uh, question. Um, I prefer to design the show and then have a shop build it. So um, like some really great examples of that is like working at Stages Theater Company, which is a dream to work at. I love Stages. Um, they're a children's theater in Hopkins. And so I'll design the show and then I'll pass it off to them. And then they have a scenic painter who paints 40 hours or something on it. And then the designer is, does the rest sort of. So that ends up being sort of a paint um, okay. design show. But I have done things with small theater companies where, you know, I'm sure you have too. Yes, <laughs> where. <laughs> I'm des designing things and then I'm building them too. And it is, it's really intense. And it's also, um, you know, not my training. I'm not trained as an engineer or technical director or rigor, yeah. anything like that. So it becomes that, you know, sometimes there's a safety issue. And so I don't want to put anyone at risk, you know, having scenery hanging above people's heads. You know, I do not want to be um, a, any part in like an accident or anything. So I um, prefer that I work with someone who has those skills because th those aren't my strong suits. 
Um, do you find with that that you have to change the way you design when you have to build it yourself? Yes. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I always notice with mine is that you have to design within your own skills, which is why it's right. lovely to have somebody to collaborate with. Right. You know, um, and when I so. do that, I usually end up doing more um, more sort of use of fabric um, or paper or, you know, things that I ha- I can work with in a smaller space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can sew lots of different things from at my house, but yeah. I can't build, you know, huge pieces of scenery at my house. You don't have a um, table saw in the living room? I don't. <laughs> Though do there I. has been scenery in this living room, but I got in trouble <laughs> with my auntie, who's the landlord, and she was like, hey, no more scenery. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I learned my lesson there. It was, I love that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, have you have you noticed that, uh, that things have changed as a set designer um, since you started um, when you were learning it and now that you're... Um, in the field, have you seen a lot of things change in the way people design or use designs? Um, I'm not sure if I've seen how other people use it. I feel like there's sort of been a little bit of a break from like naturalism is, you know, king. (laughs) Yeah. Where, um, a little bit more creativity and stylization uh, has happened. Or in some ways I like to do that too, where it's like, is this show really about, you know, a boulder with perfect lichen on it? Or is this, is this show about something else? And you, and kind of focusing on what, what is the psychological space we want the viewer to be in and like considering the audience member and like, Mm -hmm. Considering that, like, oh, it doesn't have to be a perfectly painted rocking chair for this to all work. Um, yeah. Or how do we, how do we unite all of these different um, props and scenic elements so they live in the same world, but they aren't built of the same world? Mm-hmm. Like, if you unite them in, like, the color palette is really tight or something like that. Um, okay. Okay. Or they each have a little bit of paint on them or whatever. That makes sense. Um, lost my train of thought for a moment there. <laughs> um, when you design, I'm assuming you're, you know, we're not in a bubble usually as a designer. Um, you usually get to work with other designers on the show. How do you like collaborating with them or what ways do you like to share your designs with them, I guess? Oh, yeah. I love collaborating I love the theater because it's like a team um so I would say the most successful collaborations with other designers is when they're open to um just having a conversation about it where that sounds pretty basic but like honestly sometimes that's like that makes the whole process amazing Mm -hmm. just being able to have a conversation about it um and you know, getting excited by each other's work, like when you're in tech for the first time, and then they light, you know, they backlight the little girl in Secret Garden, you know, going through the door before intermission, you're like, Oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, that was Mary Shabatura. And it was just, 
you know, that's a, that's a fun collaboration when you really can be excited about each other's work. Mm-hmm. And, and with Abby Warmbow too, like the props and things that she does are, I always get really excited about. Sometimes it's been difficult where I've, you know, had critiques like, oh, this is the Titanic and these objects float in at the end, you know, when everyone dies. And like the lighting designer was front lighting them. So there was like a cello shadow on the, on the backdrop. And I was like, (laughs) Hey, that's really kind of messing with this illusion. We shouldn't do the front light, (laughs) but you know, and that didn't go over very well. So if people aren't open to collaborating, it becomes very, um, it's like an ego party and you're like, I don't, I don't like this party. I'd rather not be here. And I suppose it's helpful to have that collaboration earlier in a process rather than like only during tech week. Like if you start off early that, you know, you want to have these instruments and things and here's the reason they look one way. It probably makes a conversation easier. Yeah. And I think that's really important to have conversations with the designers before you even do the initial design. So everyone's on board right away of like, where is this going? Um, Yeah. Because otherwise it's also like they get just a design dropped in their lap and they're like, oh, I have to deal with this. Where yeah. it's, some, it's fun if they're involved beforehand, then you can create theatricality with them that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah, you can get the lighting designer's input to be like, hey, what if you made this out of this material so that I can do this cool lighting effect? Yeah, exactly. For that moment. Yeah, yeah. That early conversation is really helpful. It's so helpful. Um, yeah. Um, you did mention that when you were talking to um, children's that he wanted to know the other men that you worked with. Do you notice um, or would be willing to talk about being a woman set designer? Um, I'm also one. So like we do have a lot, I feel like, in Minnesota. Or yeah, we in do. Minneapolis. Um, There's but a lot have of you noticed designers. anything about that that you like or don't like or I don't know? Well, I guess I would talk about like my experience and like how I actually have learned from my own experience like what's not helpful and what is productive Mm -hmm. so I definitely used to kind of go into jobs as sort of a I didn't like play dumb or anything but I definitely was more of like the little sister type of person and Mm -hmm. then people would like like me because I'm like a little sister and then I would overperform and get praise for that I know it's like kind of twisted but like, that's how I'm socialized as a woman. That's like yeah. how I've understood how you get things done and like have power. You basically have to <laughs> manipulate or trick people to be like, oh, I have this little old idea. And then yeah. you just like blast them away with like your power. And they're like, wow, <laughs> good job. And you're like, yeah, you didn't believe in me. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I've learned from that. And now I like to go into a job as um just more solid in being myself and um, Mm -hmm. being comfortable knowing that I am pretty experienced. You know, I've been doing this for a while. I, I know some things that would work and some that don't. Sometimes it's been really frustrating. I'm sure you have had the same feeling. Um, But I also feel like the world is changing and awakening right now Mm -hmm. in like a lot of ways. So that's extremely exciting. And I think people are seeing like when you have more storytellers, more diverse people who are on the teams, who are writing the plays, who is writing this text, that is very important. And that's why some of the old plays, it's like 
we need to have some new plays. There's good ideas out there. There's good playwrights. Like, mm-hmm. bring in some new people because you can't stray from the words. That's, like, what you you can't do. Yeah. So, like, how do you do Hamlet when that world is set up hierarchically? And Yeah. And you can't change the words. So even if you have, like, this great idea and this great spin on it, it's still Hamlet. And so, yeah. yeah. Being a woman in theater, it's also, like, really fun. I really like collaborating with other people and other artists. Um, and, I, and I notice that usually women are easier to work with. Um, some, some women are easier to work with. Other times not. So, you know, there's been when I think people's ego gets really involved. Like, I was doing one show, and it was the first day of tech. They rearranged they were rearranging my scenery on the line sets. It was a musical. So there is so much scenery up in the air. There are so many pieces up there and I designed it the only way it could work. I I know that was the only way we could get all these pieces in the air and they were rearranging them. And I came and they didn't even call me and say, can we do this? And I showed up and I was, you know, really struggling and very, you know, strung out and they, and I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a panic attack. And the director, who was a woman, just looked at me and she goes, I can't help you. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of, that's a little lack of humanity there. Yeah. So when people's, when people forget that like, yes, the show must go on, but like, we're humans, we need to attend to each other. Mm-hmm. Um and take care of each other and like it's not fair to be like oh we're best friends but then when like shit hits the fan all of a sudden like there's no yeah, time and space for emotions I don't think that's fair yeah I've had a couple times where experiences were similar to that yeah and more often than not it was actually another woman and it's like I don't know where that comes from if that's because of how they had to make it where they are yeah. and so they're putting up that that facade, like you said, you were the, what you did when you first started and now they don't um, want to break that facade. I'm not sure. Right. Um, or it's like they feel a lot of pressure to perform a certain way and they think um, I, I have to like be strong. Yeah. Have like um, a mask on. Otherwise yeah. it'll fall apart when really, if things feel like they're going to fall apart, there's something, there's another issue going on. Yeah. And maybe we all just need 10 minutes to like talk about it and move forward rather yeah. than ignore it, which I felt like, you know, that happened in my situation. Yeah. I feel like that is, it's, it's hard to find ways to, can, to break down that shell of somewhere else, I suppose, where they, they've built that up to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, if if you were to be uh, talking to the little young Annie when she started, what would be some advice that you would give to her or possibly somebody else who looks at a set and is sitting in a theater and goes, that might be fun to do mm-hmm. or, or, or um, yeah, or is just interested in getting into this world that's, I think, super fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, I think... I guess I would just like make sure that that person 
knew that this was a job because I didn't know it was a job until I didn't, I didn't get it until I was a senior in college where I was like, Oh, that people do that part, that okay. job. But I'd seen plays as a kid, you know, I think I'd gone to the children's theater a couple times and, but I never knew it was a job. So first of all, I would just be like, Beth, this is a job. You can do this if you want. Um, mm-hmm. And other advice. I don't know. Persistence. <laughs> I, I think just like creativity is really helpful and inspiring. Oh, you know what? I I would give advice that's like, uh, I tend to like think that I have really good ideas. <laughs> I'm an Aries, so. <laughs> um, but I think good advice for you know smaller um, Annie or someone getting into this would be like listen to other people's ideas, um, and really listen. Be like, oh, what if that was the case? And imagine it. And if you know you imagine something else. You have, and and you want it differently, you have to convince that person to love your idea more. So you have to really be behind your own ideas. If you're willing to say, like, I want to do this really bad, or this is the best idea, you have to be able to support that. And it has to, you know, come through in the end. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you know, mow over people and say, my idea is the right way. You have to be able to, like, convince them and work as a team to... Um, get to the right place. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that you if you think that what you're doing is what you want to do, make sure you know why mm-hmm. and why it would work and why it doesn't yeah. work. Or... And like try to understand like why you like that idea so much. Like mm-hmm. what is it about it? Is it because it's like really vertical and that's giving you this certain feeling or it's like really low, you know, and it gives you a different feeling. So yeah. thinking about space and like what is important to the story. Um, you know, just what supports that story? What emotion do you want from your viewer? Yeah. I sense. don't know if that's good advice for a person trying to get into this. I don't know. But <laughs> hey, I, I mean, any advice is better than no, no advice for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that it's that level of uh, knowing where to collaborate and when to stick to your guns mm-hmm. on something, but also understanding that like, sometimes a really awesome idea comes from somebody that isn't you. And I think yeah. we as designers, because we work in such a collaborated field, it's helpful to understand that sometimes I don't have the only idea. I need to let these other people help me figure out the best idea. Yeah. But other times, yeah, no, my idea was right. <laughs> That's the one we should do uh, for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what is some of your like, favorite things to do as a set designer like not Um, necessarily plays but like what is your favorite part about being a set designer I guess I like that it goes through um sort of a cycle where you get to have different hats on in each part of it so Mm -hmm. at the very beginning you are reading a script and analyzing a script so like you're I take really like intricate notes about like what's happening in the story and next the other side of the page is what's going on with scenery and props and I like kind of do like color coding with pen so I get like super you know I feel like math homework specific about it so (laughs) yeah 
that's like one hat I get to wear. And then, you know, if that was my whole job, that would be become boring probably. But then the next part is like, you get to doodle and like, I usually end up doing like gestural drawings of like, what does this play feel like to me? Like, is it circles? Is it, you know, horizontal? Is it vertical? And kind of like playing from there. And then, and then you get to be researcher, which is super fun. So I like doing that. I kind of make like a Pinterest page um, sometimes for some inspirations. I don't know. I feel bad using Pinterest. I, I really like going to the library and and um, going around in the art books and being like, oh, this is how it feels. Like, that's what's up here. Yeah. <laughs> all my totally. books on the wall. That's all I buy are art books. Yeah. The art books are really, um, really great for inspiration because they mm-hmm. give you a feeling. And, yeah. and then you can interpret that feeling from like whatever those pictures are, sculptures are, and you can like transform that into the scenery. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I like that it just varies, you know, and then I could go on and on about each part, you know, and yeah. then during tech week, you get to be sort of like help choreograph even like, okay, this is how this transition will go. You're going to carry this off this way. You're mm-hmm. going to, you know, and work with the director to incorporate the scenery yeah yeah it's yeah, that makes sense. I do love the difference that you get to have for sure yeah and then every play is different yeah so even if even if all those steps are the same from one play to the next it's still a completely different experience so you get like a musical is so different mm-hmm. than a super old traditional play or a brand new work that they're still writing yeah you know it's super different than the other versions for sure mm-hmm. um yeah. Every day is different. Every day is different. Yeah. We do lots and lots of different things. Um, I had one question that came in from my other um, designer and she asked if, what is your favorite style of furniture? <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny question. Um, what is my favorite style of furniture? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I I definitely wouldn't consider myself like um, sort of a period piece type of person. I would rather mm-hmm. work um, with like more broad gestures and things like that. But um, I guess I like furniture, like some from the thirties with like the round um, shapes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I, I don't even know like lots. Of, I know like arts and crafts. Everyone knows that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. and I know like modern, which is cool. And then, ooh, Art Nouveau furniture, so cool. I guess I would probably pick that one. But like, I like it's, that you said you don't know a lot of furniture and then listed four of them. Yeah, I guess I do know a little bit. See, that's me <laughs> underestimating myself. But yeah. like, yeah, I think Art Nouveau furniture is fun. I don't have yeah. very many um, places to use it in my job, but every once in a while. Every once in a while you get to do that show that has the... Mm-hmm. Art Nouveau piece or an Art Nouveau style or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you prefer designing more in the, like, you said that you've done both new work, traditionals and musicals and mm-hmm. things like that, but when you do design them, are you more inclined to want to design, like, something that's a little more abstracty or, like, or representational of that world? Or are you like, I want to build a Victorian house kind of thing? I don't know. Right. Um, I would say I usually lean towards a little more abstract. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't usually create a ton of like box sets, mm -hmm. but not that I, you know, wouldn't want to, but um, yeah, I would say I would, I'd be a little more stylized. Yeah. Where it's like the audience members will notice like, oh, this is not how a street actually looks, but here, uh -huh. you know, it works for one, what is it? One man, two governors or whatever. Like that kind of thing where you're like, we're going to stack these up and like make a rake on the stage, you know, and like, that's not how it works. But for, for, for a farce, you know, it's perfect. Lots of yeah. entrances and exits. It's kind of like weirdly symmetrical, you know. Yeah. To give it, so it's, it's more like less of designing realistic exact worlds, but more designing what the story is telling you it needs, which yeah. might, might be a little more realistic sometimes. Yeah. But um, but a lot of times can be tweaked here and there. Do you feel that your um, experience getting into theater is fairly, uh, or even just like getting work and stuff, is that fairly common for other people? Or do you feel like you have some weird difference that's... Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I actually wonder about this. Um, I also wonder... There's probably some places where, like, I have certain types of privilege, like being white, um, where I probably, you know, someone would pick me um, because of their own biases. And mm -hmm. so to look back, especially after this year, to look back and try to understand, like, and see that my life and, like, my choices um, that I've made and... Um, the privileges I've exploited to get where I was, a lot of those were because I have been extremely privileged. So, mm -hmm. you know, even the fact that I could study art in college, you know, and then I could go on to be a scenic designer. And I knew, you know, if my jobs didn't, you know, cover all my rent, I, I knew I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't fall through the cracks. You know, my parents could yeah. help me if they needed to. So to have that safety net um, below me actually basically entitled me or like allowed me to take huge risks because, yeah. you know, it's not like we're, it's not like you get paid a ton to do these jobs. You just, you don't. And I hope someday that changes. But um, so I, looking back at my whole career I see it a little bit in that light where it's like wow yeah. I was extremely privileged and was like able to do all of these things because you know I didn't have to worry about money in the way other people had to worry about money or I because I was you know white and people you know because of the way our culture is thought oh I would be easier to work with which is you know and I, I see it now like, oh, I, I probably, you know, made several mistakes and what have you. But I see now that, like, that's part of the reason I've gotten to where I am. Granted, it's, you know, I have worked really hard and am very creative also. So it's some of both, but I definitely, you know, want to put that front and center. Like, that's why I could be here at all. Yeah. Um, yeah.
Yeah, it does make it doing what we do is tricky because it isn't very lucrative. So you can't, Mm -hmm. you don't tend to make a ton of money right off the gate. So you are doing a lot of like tricky times where you're like, okay, well, I might not have a lot of money coming in this month or next month or whatever because I'm not working as much. So it is nice to have those safety nets or those other things, but it does make it. Right. And then you're like, who who would be great at this, but isn't here right now because they don't have that safety net. Like it just, yeah. it like makes you feel sad about like, wow, this is not as inclusive as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is that, is that basically one of the things or something that you would like hope would change in the future that we can find ways to bring in more voices to tell these stories rather than, I mean, right now we've, we have brought in a lot of more women, but we do need more people of color. We do need more, um, LGBT people and things, just more storytellers mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, I hope that changes. And I even, I actually have, um, I was designing for, I don't know, five years, like really super intensely, solidly. And I took like a year off recently. And I, now I'm looking at it and I'm sort of like, hmm, it, am I the person who deserves the next opportunity. And like, the answer is like, I don't really know, like give other people opportunities. Like I'm okay with that. And I, I have another um, job. So I, I have like a regular job right now. Um, But I don't know. I, I just feel like, I don't know, this is not very (laughs) eloquent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's well that's the trick is it's hard to make a judgment on what we should be doing all the time like if it's right. like I always want to be designing I always want to be working because mm-hmm. I love working um but there are times where I need to as a, a person who has had a lot of that privilege go am I the right person to tell this story and sometimes I might not be um and if I'm in a place and hopefully you are in a place where we can say I'm not the right person but I can help you maybe find that right person. Right. That's that's the position I want to be able to be yeah. in is that I can share some of the privilege that I've had over the years. I know it will never be the same amount of privilege that I've had, but if I can right pass it forward. Yeah, if I can find ways to let someone else get to be part of this awesome career that we have, uh that's what I want to be able to do. Yeah. And I also I think about it like but what what are we passing forward? Because like, why did I like basically kind of burn out of mm-hmm. of that of doing all set design all the time? You yeah. know, like do like is our theater world and our tech theater world is that some place that you know values people's humanity and does it um, is it a lifestyle that um, is sustainable? And do you really want to give that to someone who, you know, I don't know if I want to give that to somebody else if it's too <laughs> difficult, if it's too, yeah. if it's really hard. Um, and it's funny, like, even when I set boundaries, like someone asked me um, to be uh, an assistant at like a Minnesota opera thing. And it's like, wow, that's a great opportunity. And like you usually I would be like, hell yes. I wouldn't even question it, but like times are changing. I think this was like a year ago or two years ago. 
And I just said, I looked at like the, um, a contract that he wrote up and I saw that it was basically 15 hour days for like two weeks straight for tech. And, and it didn't have any information about like, there's one day off in the middle. So I, I said, I'll do it. This is what I would like. I would like two days off in a row during tech. Um, and only, I would only want to work 11 hours per day. You know what I mean? Like, so I kind of and then, you know, well, it was Paul Whitaker. He came back and was like, oh my gosh, no, there, you can't do that. Like, that's crazy. If I counted the hours I was doing this and, you know, just really came back super defensively. This was an email. So I guess I don't know his tone, but it, it was just like, well, thank you for your, the opportunity. Um, my answer is no. Yeah. And here's another way you could have reacted. I'm sorry, we don't have the budget to bring you on for this show. So, you know, trying to make it more humane by actually saying like, no, this is a boundary that I'm not willing to cross. And it's, I feel bad for people who are coming into theater and like, because they might, I don't want them to be taken advantage of. Like you're young, you're going to, you're going to spend, you know, 15 days in a row working 15 hour days. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. I don't want to be part of that world. So it's, it's kind of a balance. Well, and it makes it tricky for, for anyone who maybe has other responsibilities in their lives that would make it hard for them to be somewhere for 15 hours. Right. Who, yeah. Like who, whose ideas are not being heard? Like we're not like a pregnant person, for example, like, could they do that? Or like, you know, so just, just considering who is allowed to be part of this. And I loved, you know, I love being at meetings where people have like their baby with them where you're like, Oh, the baby's at the meeting today because it's like, that's, they're a new mom and that's who's at the meeting. And it's great. And it's like, you can see that that person is literally bringing them whole, their whole selves and their family too. Well, and uh, working with companies where that is, um, not a weird thing for someone to do mm-hmm. always makes me go okay these people would understand it if I got sick yeah these people would understand it if a family member of mine got sick or my cat got sick you know what right. I mean like and I needed to do something that wasn't this for a little while I feel like those types of companies are the ones that I want to be working with yeah all the time mm-hmm. I don't want to be working with the ones that go well I don't care about your outside of your life it doesn't right. matter right it's like just because I don't have kids or I don't have all these things doesn't mean I have to work 14, 15 hour days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You for know. so many days in a row. It's like, I get it. Yeah. You have to do that every, you know, maybe a couple days during a show or let's be honest, more like five days during a show. You probably work that many hours a day, but like, yeah. um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know how to like jump back in and participate. And especially like even, towards the end, I was getting like bigger shows. Like I got mm-hmm. to design um, for Mill City Summer Opera, which was like a really good opportunity. It was so cool to work in that space, you know, in the courtyard with the mm-hmm. ruins. And um, I really lo- liked working with the director who was the then artistic director, Crystal Manich. And so I loved so many parts of it, but then like I zoom out and I'm like, who is allowed to see this show? Who's Who's watching yeah. this? Um, 
and when you look around and it's mostly rich white people you old white people too it's kind of like why am I doing this so sometimes like the community theater ones and the children's theater like stages or Mm. um, even like small like high school theater those shows sometimes become so much more meaningful than some of these big ones where it's like the big one it's like you put first on your resume but really like the ones that were most meaningful to me are you know something at Creighton Durham Hall or whatever (laughs) yeah no I totally feel that way too sometimes is that the the big fancy flashy show looks great on paper but sometimes the show that doesn't look the best even in photos because they didn't have a huge budget or whatever fills your soul in a different way Mm -hmm. um and most I think it's because you're giving back you're able to like get to let somebody enjoy this wonderful world without that barrier yeah and even like the actors if you think about how exciting it is for them to be part of it where it's not just like you know good for me I have another great show but like to see that they're like this is one of my first shows you know that's exciting yeah Yeah, to work with young people in that way but then again I also think about like why are there no Minneapolis public school theater programs? Like, why am I only working with private schools? That's messed up. That is messed up. There are no Minneapolis public school theater programs, high school, that I know of. Maybe there is now, but, like, I don't know of one. I don't think if there are any that I know of. Yeah, like, you can't think of it because there... Most of mine have been outside of the... Like, if it was a public school that I've worked with, it's been in the suburbs. Exactly. It hasn't been... It has not been in the city itself. Yeah. It might be. I'll have to do some research. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's another thing is, like, I feel like part of the reason I took a step back from scenic design is, like, I'm more interested in designing systems that work better for the whole world. I just am. And, like, I... Right now, I... You know, I am actually kind of excited to do scenic design again because, like, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while, it? yeah. In this darn <laughs> pandemic, we can't do theater. So I am like super excited to do some again. But like, I have been really um, happy helping people um, design different systems and being, you know, politically active more. And um, and and now I work at the University of Minnesota in the College of Design as a fabrication technician. So there I teach students how to use tools. It's, okay. it's super fun. And I'm like helping them revamp so we have healthier materials in the lab. So stuff like that, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in like designing systems right now than strictly scenic design. <laughs> so just <laughs> no, let, I totally get that. Yeah, let everyone know. <laughs> well, and, and it might be that when we can do theater again, you may be choosier about what you... Yeah. Uh, what types of shows you do mm-hmm. for what audiences or with which companies yeah um yeah uh, is there any anything else that you think you would like to share with my with this audience people or um I guess I would just say have fun theater is fun watching people while you're sitting in the dark is great And it's the only place, it's the only, only, only place I can think of right now where you go in for an hour and a half or whatever, two hours, they, you cannot be on your cell phone. You are not allowed. It's like, 
You can't even do that in church now. You can't even do that in the movie theater now. This is the last place. And what does that mean? How sacred is this place? It's mm-hmm. it's really important. And it's the longest running um, you know, art form ever, storytelling. Mm-hmm. One person speaking and the other listening. Two two um people. And it's yeah. been going on forever since we were like sitting around campfires as Neanderthals. And mm-hmm. so I yeah. I just think it's really sacred. I think it's really important. I think being able to take it seriously and um, is fun. I love theater. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming and chatting with us. Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) It's been great. Really great. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Shadows. If you enjoyed it, please recommend it to your friends, colleagues, and students. If you loved it, like us on Facebook and please hit the follow or subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform. We Shadows was created by Liesa Behrens, Rachel Lanto, and Anita Kelling. It was recorded over Zencaster and produced by Anita Kelling. Our theme music was composed and performed by J. William Kelsch. We Shadows can be found wherever you search for your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in this week, and be sure to check us out every Wednesday for new episodes.